Let's pray. Lord, we again come to you. We have heard your word and we want to gain understanding. We want to draw closer to you. We want to be taught by your word and, and transformed by your spirit. So bless us in this time, we pray. We lift it all up to you in the name of Christ. Amen. As uh, we come to this morning's talk, um, I want to remind us again, why are we going through the story? We're going through the story because it's important for us to know the Bible. But for so many people, it's difficult to get through the whole of the Bible. A lot of times people start reading the Bible and they get a little ways into it and then they kind of bog down on different places in the Bible. So the, the design here is to whet our appetite for the Word of God, to whet our appetite about the stories in the Bible, to, to help us understand that there is an overall theme of God's love and God's presence and God's guidance, God's working in and through us. And hopefully, as we go through this, it's going to encourage you to go to the actual Bible and fill in some of the things that are left out in the story to encourage you to engage with the Word of God. See, we are God's people. God has created us to be His people. But the truth is, unless we know the whole of God's story, the whole of the Bible, we can't really know who God is. We can't really know what God has for us. We need to learn from those who have come before us, understand what they have gone through so that we can understand all the more what God wants to do in and through our lives, in and through our church. So up to this point, we have seen uh, God creating all things. We have seen sin coming into the world. We have uh, seen Abraham's call from God and his faithfulness. We've seen this covenant promise passed on from Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob. And now this morning, our main character is one of Jacob's sons, Joseph. If you want to read more about this, you'll find it in the book of Genesis, chapters 37 to 50. I remember when uh, Tammy and I first started dating, it was so interesting for me to find out about her life, to find out how she started playing golf when she was in elementary school, living in South Dakota, but because of the weather in South Dakota, as you know, she could only play golf about six months out of the year. And so at junior high, her family moved to Camarillo, California, so that she could play golf year-round. And then it was interesting to hear that she played in high school on the boys' high school team because there was no girls' high school team, and yet she was one of the top players on the team. It was interesting for me to find out all this. Why? Because I cared about Tammy. I wanted to grow in our relationship, and to do that, it took me understanding what happened in her life, the ups and the downs of her life, her struggles and her successes. But it also was important for me to find out about her, her family, her parents, her grandparents, the people who had influenced her in her life, who had shaped her life. I've said it many times, your story and my story is important. Our stories are important because we are creations of God. God has created us to do good works. We are created in his image to live for God. But our story can't be understood until, or understood fully until we understand what God has done in the past, 
who God is, the God of the past, the present, and the future. We need to understand the full aspect of God's story. In this way, we understand that God is doing a similar work in your life and in my life. We can look at these stories and we can see, oh, I see what's going on here, and I see what kind of God God is, and I see what kind of God God still is even in my life today. We can gain insight into who God is and how our story fits into God's story. I think a good place to start in the story of Joseph is to talk about how God gave Joseph dreams. Even from an early age, he had dreams. And these dreams for Joseph were God telling him what was going to happen in the future and how God was going to use him in the future. Interesting place, don't you think? That God would would tell you what's going to happen, give you an idea, a sense of what's going to happen in the future and how you're going to play a role in that future. So one night, Joseph has a dream, and he decides to share his dream with his brothers. And so we read in Genesis 37 and uh, 5 to 7, read the yellow with me. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now, while this dream is true, and we'll see it come true in the future, Joseph, being of young age, didn't handle it with maturity, right? He basically threw it into his brother's face, I'm going to rule over you. You know, like, nah, 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 right? I'm going to rule over you. Now, if you have a, a big brother, and I have a big brother, You know that oftentimes, big brothers don't like it when you do that, right? (laughs) I know that from experience. When you throw things in your face to your big brother, it doesn't go over well. I remember always trying to beat my big brother at everything, right? Always being in competition with him. And when I was young, I couldn't do it. But when I was in my early 20s, I had played racquetball for a while, and I got pretty good at racquetball. One day, my brother says, oh, let's play some racquetball. I'm like, oh, yeah, let's play some racquetball. And so we played racquetball. We played three games. And I beat him something like 15-5, 15-6. I beat him pretty handily, beat him pretty easily. In fact, I remember even kind of taking it easy on him and still beating him that bad. (laughs) And you know how that goes over with a big brother, right? So my brother was not happy with me at all. Now my brother plays twice a week, and he can beat me most of the time. So he's happy again, right? (laughs) Well, surprisingly, not surprisingly, Joseph's brother didn't take this statement to them very well. They didn't like that he was saying, I'm going to rule over you. They didn't like that at all. In fact, we read how they wanted to kill him, but then they're like, well, maybe let's not kill him. He's family. So we pick it up in Genesis 37, 26 to 27. Judah, one of his older brothers, said to his other brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Read with me. Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. It is believed that Joseph was about 17 at this time when he was sold into slavery. So he was very young. You can only imagine being 17, being sold into slavery, taken away from your land, taken away from your family. Now you're in 
a slave, right? You're in a different land. He's been taken to Egypt. And this sets a chain of events that happens that will ultimately Joseph will be used to save the land and his people. So I want to highlight the story, and as I highlight the story a little bit more, I'm going to pull out some, I think, important points that we need to gain from this wonderful and incredible story of Joseph and see um, how God fits into that story and how our lives fit into that story. So we see that uh, Joseph is resold. He's resold to Potiphar, an official of the Pharaoh, and he's taken to Egypt as one of Pharaoh's officials. You can only imagine how Joseph is feeling at this time. I'm sure he's sad, he's lonely, maybe he's dealing with some um, depression, he's missing his father, he has a younger brother, he's missing his younger brother, maybe he's kind of even missing his older brothers, his family that's not around him anymore. Now put yourself in his place. How would you feel? 17 years old, go back to when you were 17, 17 years old, and you're sold off in slavery. In fact, Every once in a while, I mean, it still happens in our world, doesn't it? People are sold off into slavery. And we mourn for stories like that when people are sold off into slavery. How terrible that is. Now, what is remarkable about Joseph in all of this is his faith. His faith in God does not waver. His faith is still strong. And even more importantly, we are told that the Lord is with Joseph. That's an important word, isn't it? Sometimes we'll go through despair, won't we? But we need to know, we need to hear that. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. He understands he doesn't have to face his predicament alone. Though he might feel alone because he doesn't have family, friends, people around him, he knows he's not alone for the Lord is with him. Read yellow with me. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. So here he is, he's in slavery, but the Lord is with him, and he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master, Potiphar's house, when his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Ow! What a great thing. He's he's a slave, he's in Egypt, but the Lord is with him. Potiphar even sees that the Lord is with him, and he rises up to a place of importance, right, in Potiphar's house. And so he's probably feeling a little bit better. Now, he's having some success. He's, He's in a little bit better place. He's not this lowly slave that he was feeling like before. And isn't it true that when we experience God's blessings, we feel when we experience success, we feel God's blessings in our life. We're like, wow, God is really blessing me in this time. Look at the, the success that I'm having. So Joseph knows that the Lord is with him. It's evident in the eyes of others. It's evident in his own life. He is experiencing this. Joseph's faith is, is so strong now because he's seeing God's clear presence working in and through his life. So let's think of a couple questions for a moment. Can others see that the Lord is with you? Does the Lord work in and through your life? Do you feel like you have found favor with God? When success comes, when good things happen in your life, do you give glory to God 
Do you say it is the, it's God's working in my life? That is why this is happening. Can others see it? And are you acknowledging it so that God is receiving the glory? See, now, if you answered no to any of these questions, I encourage you to open your eyes a little bit more, to try to say, where is God working in my life? How can I give God glory more in the good things that are happening in my life? I don't want to take credit for myself. I want to give God the glory. And the more we do that, then the more that people will see that the Lord is with you. It's important that we do that. I encourage you to seek the Lord more, trust the Lord more, and understand that your story is all the more relevant when God is at work in your life. Now, when life is good, we feel God's presence, we feel God's blessings, right? But oftentimes, when, when things aren't going so well, we feel like the Lord isn't with us. Maybe mentally we know, well, God is supposed to always be with me. But sometimes when things aren't going so well, we, we feel like God has abandoned me. Why has God left me in this time? Things are really dry. Things are not successful right now. We're, we're not finding fruitfulness in this time. Where are you, Lord? Right? We might cry out, where are you, Lord? What's going on? Why have you abandoned me? In fact, you can read some of the Psalms. Even David himself, King David, who had such a strong faith, in some of the Psalms was crying out to God, where have you gone? Why has this happened to me, Lord? Why are you allowing this to happen? But the truth is, life is full of ups and downs. There will be times of peace and success. There will be times of dryness and struggle and hardship. But God is with us in all those times. We have to hold on to that. That is a, a, a foundational truth of the word of God. So Joseph finds himself prospering in the house of, of uh, Potiphar. But then something else comes up, right? Potiphar's wife starts to like Joseph. She makes a pass at Joseph when they're alone. And Joseph's like, I don't want any of this. And so he starts to run away. And as he runs away, his cloak falls off. And the Potiphar's wife grabs the cloak, keeps it. She doesn't want to get in trouble with her husband, right? So then we, read, we pick it up in Genesis 39. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. So he's low as a slave. He's up as a, as a tendant of Potiphar. And now where is he? He's in a low again, isn't he? He is in prison now. Not only is he a slave, but he is in prison, wrongly accused for something he didn't do. Maybe again he's feeling, Lord, why would you allow this to happen? I've been faithful to you. Why would you allow that? Have you ever done that? You're in, you're in a difficult place. Lord, why are you allowing this to happen in my life? Why? Well, sometimes it's because those who don't follow the Lord will do bad things, and their, their actions will have consequences, negative consequences, even in our own lives, right? When they do bad things to us. But verse 21 is so important. Read it with me. The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Even though he's in prison, God still said, I'm going to lift you up. I'm, you're, going to find, you're going to find favor with the prison warden. Your life will be in prison, but it's going to be easier because 
the prison warden is going to make your life easier. Again, God was with him. Important theme that's going on through the story, right? God was with him in all of these things. Wherever Joseph finds himself, he needs to go back to that trust, back to that faith, knowing that the Lord is with him. See, it's not uncommon for people to feel that God has left him in their times of trial. But let me clear up something that oftentimes people might think. Sometimes people think, you know, when I become a Christian, my life's going to be all rosy. My life's going to be all perfect. My life is going to be all good. God is going to be with me. And it's just going to be one blessing after another, after another, after another. And I'm never going to have any down times. I'm never going to have any sadness or sorrow. I'm never going to have any hardships, right? That is not biblical. The Bible nowhere says your life is going to be perfect and good and all okay when you become a Christian. In fact, the Bible tells us life is can be challenging. Life will have hardships. There will be ups and downs in our life. But we go back to that theme, right? The Lord is always with me. Let's say that together. The Lord is always with me. The Lord is always with me. We have to hold on to that truth because it's so true. While unfaithfulness can bring about hardship, we also see many people throughout the Bible God's faithful people go through hardship in the midst of their faithfulness. Now, Romans 8.28 is a New Testament verse, but it speaks of a truth of what God has done all along, a truth of the Old Testament God as well. So read Romans 8.28 with me. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. God will not leave us nor forsake us. In times of hardship, when we continue to walk faithfully, when we turn to the Lord, God will be with us evermore. It's kind of like with the, the children's sermon, that sandpaper, right? These hard times, they rough us up. And then we turn to God and say, well, I need your help, God. And all the more, God comes to us and we are prepared, we are ready, we are open for God to work in and through our lives because of this roughing up. And God, I encourage you to look at the difficulties, the trials, the, the struggles, the hardships in your life, and then look at what happened right after that when you trusted the Lord, when you were continued to be faithful, and look at what happened and see the blessings that God brought into your life or see the way that God used you in the life of another person. So often it is these hardships that come into our life that prepare us so that God can actually do the work that he needs to do, that he, we make ourselves open and ready for what God needs to do. A lot of times we're in success, when we're, we're well off, things are going good. I got it covered, God, I'm good, right? But it's in those times when we struggle that we're like, oh, I guess I do need you, Lord. I do need you. So Joseph is kept in prison for two more years. And then the Pharaoh He's having some dreams. And he doesn't understand these dreams. And he's trying to find anyone around in the kingdom that can interpret the dreams for him. No one can interpret the dreams. But he hears about Joseph. There's some guy in prison, locked away, deep down in prison. I heard that he maybe can do this. And so the Pharaoh sends for Joseph. Joseph comes. He tells him his dreams. God, uh, Joseph seeks God to understand these dreams, and he does. He understands them, and he interprets them for the Pharaoh. He says, your dreams are saying this. Seven years, you'll have abundance. The next seven years are going to be great. 
We're going to be abundant. All is going to go well. But then we're going to have seven years of famine. We need to, to store up food during that seven years of abundance so that we are prepared for that seven years of famine. And then he even gives recommendations to the, to the Pharaoh of how he should handle it. I think you should set up commissioners over the lands, you know, and, and do all this. And Pharaoh thinks about that and says, hmm, that's a good idea. And he says this to Joseph, read the yellow with me. Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to, be, are to submit to your orders. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Joseph's gift of interpreting dreams and his continued faithfulness in walking with God, again, lifts him to a place of power. He becomes the deputy Pharaoh over all the land, just under the Pharaoh. Everyone is to listen to Joseph. What a place he's gone from, from you know, the dream with his brothers, to being in slavery, to being head in Potiphar's house, to being in prison, and now he's the deputy of Pharaoh. What an incredible life, up and down, right, that he's lived. All of this is going on. All of this is going on. And so, I started to reflect upon my own life. You know, I thought, you know, my life hasn't been that tumultuous. I haven't had like this great downfall and then this rescue. I haven't been homeless and broke and then found success. I don't have this story that would wow anybody. And I thought, I bet a lot of you kind of fall in that same place. You don't have this story of, of great trouble, um, great problems. And then the Lord came in and made, you know, lifted you up out of the mire and the mud, right? Maybe some of you had, and those stories are powerful. And it's great to see the Lord working in that. But even us, who don't have that kind of story where I was in a gang and, you know, and, and I was in prison and then the Lord found me and now look where I am. I'm preaching for the Lord. You know, my story, you've heard before, I was just living for myself, kind of selfish. But the Lord found me and what a change, what a transformation he's made in my life to care for others and not just care for myself. You know, probably one of the greatest things I've seen the Lord do is that when Tammy and I first got married and we started talking about having children, we said, you know, we really believe it is important to have one parent stay home. So one of us decided we're going to stay home, and Tammy said, well, I'll stay home. And so we basically lived on my salary. And in the beginning, when you're a starting out pastor, your salary is not that great. <laughs> But we found a way not only to live on our salary, but to save money and to save money for college and to have enough money that now that our kids are in college, we're able to put our kids through college on one salary, saving up all those years. Now, I tell you that not to boast. I tell you that because the Lord has shown his provision to us. We regularly tithe on our money, and we never have missed that tithe that we give away. Never. We have always found sufficiency with the funds that we've had. Yeah, we've had to make choices. But choices, I think, bless and honor God. And because of God's provision, you know, when I talk to people about that, which I don't often, but somehow, sometimes it comes up, and that's kind of part of my story that I tell people. And when I talk about it, they look at me like, really? 
You're able to do that on one salary? So many people work two jobs and yet still struggle to do those things. And, and again, I'm not boasting. I'm just saying the Lord has worked mightily in our lives and shown his provision for us. And that's what Joseph is experiencing. Joseph says, wow, God has shown provision in my life. In the ups and downs of my life, God has been there and provided for me. And now because of the vision that he gave to the Pharaoh and that, that, that I was able to interpret, now God is showing provision for Egypt and for all of Joseph's people. What a perspective he has. And so um, we hear that uh, the famine comes, all of the land is affected by it, but Joseph, because of his thinking, has you know, provided all this food, and so people will come to him, and he's deciding who, what food will go to people. And so um, Jacob sends his sons to Egypt, go, get food, we need food. And so his sons come before Joseph. Now, 22 years has passed since they sold Joseph into slavery. So Joseph is now 39 years old. He looks very different. They do not recognize their brother. And he has some fun with that. Read the story. I encourage you to go to the Bible and read this story. He has some fun with them. It's a long story. He has some fun with them, even messing with them with their little brother and all of this, right? He's messing with them. He's messing with his brothers. But ultimately says, yeah, now it's time for me to disclose something to them. So they come and they bow down before him. Remember his dream? What does his dream say? My sheath will raise up and yours will what? Bow down to me. What's going on here? His brothers are bowing down to him. His dream has come to pass. And so he reveals himself to his brothers in Genesis 45.3. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? I mean, what a, what a, you know, just like a casual conversation, right? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. You can only imagine. We sold our brother into slavery, and now he is the deputy of Pharaoh over all of the land. What power he holds. He ha- holds the power of life and death, our life and death. He could have had them put to death. He had that much power. You can only imagine how terrified they were finding out that their brother, Joseph, was still alive. But then, God being a God of forgiveness, Joseph understanding this God who is a God of forgiveness, knowing that only through the power of God can we forgive, he says this in verse 5. Read the underlined part with me. And now, Joseph says, Do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Do you see God's hand at work? Do you see how God's provision is happening? Do you see how when we read Romans 8.28, all things will come for good to those who trust in the Lord? Do you see how God is doing that right now through Joseph's life? God will do that in your life and in my life if we continually walk faithfully with him. This story reminds us that we need to trust God. We need to not doubt in those times of hardship and struggle, those times of of emptiness and those times that we're in the valley. Trust God all the more because God has a plan. 
and your life and my life are a part of that plan. We can't always see it, but we can know it. God calls his people to do a work. He watches over us. He guides us. He cares for us. He provides for us. God has a plan to be, build his kingdom. We can be a part of that plan by sharing our story, by sharing how God is at work in our life. God is at work in our, in our church. We're celebrating 30 years tonight, right? God's provision has been seen day after day, month after month, year after year in our church. That is the story we need to share. Will you be a part of God's story in this way? That is a question we have to ask ourselves. Will you be, will we be a part of God's story in this way? God is a God who wants to be worshipped. He wants all to worship him. Every Sunday you, you choose to come here and to worship together as God's people. But we also have the opportunity to bring others to worship with us. We also have the opportunity to teach people about worship. Why do we worship God? Will you be a part of God's story in this way, helping others understand who God is and why God needs to be worshipped? I don't know if you're familiar with this. Uh, there's these books called Magic Eye. And you see right there on the front, there's a picture. Kind of a picture, right? A design. And there's many pages in the book. But in this design, it's really, it's really interesting. You have to kind of relax your eyes and just kind of almost like let it just go blurry. And then all of a sudden, this 3D object or picture will appear in the midst of that picture. It's really fun. At first, it's really difficult to do. And you have to kind of teach yourself to relax. And, and the, the harder you try to see the image, the less you will see it. You have to just relax and let the picture come out to you. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, you know, that's kind of how God's will is, how God's plan is, how God's story is, right? We're a part of that story, and sometimes we try so hard to know what that story is what God's plan is, what God's will is. But really, the best thing to do is just kind of relax and let God's story come to us. Be faithful, be trusting, walk faithfully with God, and let God's story come to us. God knows that he has a plan for our life and for the world, and we can be a part of that. That is the great news of this story. Let's pray.